1: Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Iron Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat. Jason, Bulls season is officially underway. The Bulls have started training camp. They're off to Nashville, where they are practicing for a week before their preseason debut this weekend. I believe it's Sunday. Is that correct, Jason? That's Milwaukee. Uh, yep. At the Milwaukee Bucks, the new look Bucks with Damian Lillard at point guard. Uh, the Bulls held media day to begin this week. And we got to hear from the most exciting public speaker of our generation, Arturis is along with Billy Donovan, uh, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic, Javon Carter, even Lonzo Ball, suiting up in a Bulls uniform for the only time this year for media day. There was Lonzo talking about his rehab, saying he's about halfway done with his rehab and declaring at age 25 he will play again in the NBA. It was just good to hear Lonzo say that as a basketball fan, you know, even beyond like pinning the Bulls' hopes and dreams on him. Just hope that Lonzo uh, is in a good place physically, mentally, and uh, can hopefully resume his NBA career after obviously some very frustrating injury issues. So, Jace, what's going on, man? media day what stood out to you the most uh from let's say arturis and billy
2: yeah media day always fun always when uh expectations are the hope i guess is high especially with other chicago sports teams being in the absolute shitter the bears are a joke with a historic blown lead against the broncos cubs piss away a playoff spot white Sox are a joke Blackhawks have kind of but they'll probably still be bad. The Chicago Sky made the playoffs, but also bad. Just a lot of bad. And then for me as an Illinois fan, Illinois people also bad. So just a lot of bad stuff. So I'm here looking at the Chicago Bulls, uh, with the so I wouldn't say renewed optimism, but optimism, but some hope that they could provide at least some sort of entertainment here for the season. And me again, me today is when everyone's feeling great about themselves and feeling great about the team. Uh so yeah, I mean, AK comes out. He says, whatever, the the goal is to be a playoff team, which, I mean, that is a pretty, not exactly ambitious, but, I mean, after the year they had, I mean, I guess, was it last year, Media Day, they said that we were hoping to win a playoff series, because they made the playoffs two years ago, and I think last year at Media Day, they said, you know, our goal is to win a playoff series, now they just want to make the playoffs, which, as we've talked about, is like the Bulls' goal, they just want to make the playoffs, and that's fine, but here's the quote from AK about the playoffs, Um, We want to get in the playoffs example last year that once you get in the playoffs, there's an opportunity for a lot of teams and it goes into matchups. If you're healthy, there's a lot of factors. Once you get in the playoffs, that would be my view for this team right now, the comments about us. A lot of people are not expecting us to be anywhere. Actually, I compared to two years ago, the expectations are pretty much the same, but I have faith in this group and Billy that we are going to be a good team. Um, Looking forward to seeing it on the floor, going into training camp. Um, bunch of other stuff about how, or AK did talk about how, some stuff about what they want to do differently in terms of they want to play faster. Of course, you want to get it, they want to get it more three-pointers, get to the free throw line and get in the paint more. I believe Billy talked a bit more about that in terms of like getting in the paint more. Um, And he didn't even talk about, like, three-point volume. He was talking about how we just, like, need to impo- like improve our shot quality in general or and our three-point shot quality. I mean, they need to f- improve their three-point volume. That's the bottom line there. That just has to happen. <laughs> They're the worst three-point rate in the league. Uh, but, I mean, they do need to... Uh, they do need to get to the line more, get in the pain more. I know Vooch brought up... He said one of the reasons why he came back was he had conversations with Billy, uh, and he said that they talked about playing through him more, not even necessarily in the post, but... Uh, in terms of like using him as a passer, like that, whatever at the elbow and that kind of stuff, we know we've do- we've done that sometimes, but uh, it sure seems like the Bulls made some promises to Booch that they would give him be giving him the ball a bit more. We'll see if that actually happens. Um, AK said some stuff about the luxury tax. Let me go pull that up. We know all the luxury tax stuff is. We'll believe it when we see it. Um, Jason me... the story hasn't changed in 20 years he said right. again basically like if if the group like if this he was like right now we're like in position to pay the tax Uh, but, and like, we'll see where we're at. if We're actually going to pay it. Here it is. I think we're at the point where we're going to go in the luxury tax. If we're confirming this is the group right now, they're like a couple hundred thousand, I think into the tax. I think this is just giving more time for this group to figure it out. And I think once you have consistent success, you can go for it. And all my conversations with Jerry and Michael, obviously they have no problem going into it. I mean, not obviously at all, because they almost never do. But that's whatever. But we have to make sure it's the right group. I believe in them. My faith going into the season. We'll see how the season plays out. So it's more of the caveats. If, like, things go well, maybe they'll do it. How good does that mean? Like, what, what position do they have to be in for them to, like, not duck it? Uh, no specifics
1: given there. It just, he Jay, says. In How much over are they right now? Like, they're under a million. It's over. like a couple hundred thousand, I think. As yeah. I said, yeah. And my problem with the, so I wish that that question was framed to him through the prism of having the Lonzo Ball disabled player exception because they do have a ten million dollar exception that they can take someone into. Uh, so it, that does that work in a trade? Am I screwing this up now? I know they could use it to sign a free agent. Like they could have signed.
0: Christian no, you can. Use, I think.
2: I think
1: for the trade. I don't know if it has to be a like a guy on expiring contract.
2: I can't remember. because I know like yeah, that sounds right. It has to yeah, be a guy. If it's like a, if you're signing somebody, it's got to be a one year deal only. And I yeah. think with the trade, it's also like an expiring contract. And I don't think they can use all of it because I believe they're I can't remember what they are under that hard cap apron, but they can use most of it. I mean, I'm pretty sure that at the very least, like eight or nine million uh, below the apron. I don't have that number exactly right in front of me, but they can use most of that if they really wanted to to add a decent role player uh, at whatever, again, almost up to $10 million. So, like, they could do it. And, they, and they, I mean, they still have their oth- parts of their other exceptions, too. Even if they didn't use that, they have, like, uh, they have part half their mid-level left. They have a biennial exception. Obviously, like, whatever is left on the market, right, the free agent market right now isn't great. But, like, if there is, like, a buyout opportunity that they can... I don't remember the new buyout rules, but I don't think that they apply to the Bulls. I think it's more with guys who are or with teams that are like into the second apron. I think maybe that's what it is, but uh, they have, they have some salary flexibility. So if they are willing to pay more and go into the tax, AK says, obviously Jerry and Michael and <laughs> no problem paying it again. That's just obviously blatantly not true because they almost never do it, but eh, whatever luxury tax stuff. I had to bring it up. We always talk about it. They they're right in it right now. We'll see. They can, they have until the end of the year to see how that goes. Otherwise again, the stuff about changing how they play while not really changing the team that much is interesting in terms of again playing faster. Uh, how are they going to do that? I mean, when you're the you know, really the changes you made were Javon Carter, Torrey Craig. I mean, I don't think Javon Javon Carter is not really the type of point guard who's coming in here and like turning you you into a like fast-paced offense. So I'm curious what how that's going to look in terms of them playing faster, like who's going to start running. We've talked about how they need to get transition baskets. Um, I think also hitting the offensive glass a bit more could possibly help that as well, because they are terrible at offensive rebounding. They kind of sold out, kind of gave that up. I think in t- in turn term- to help their defense, there's always some trade-offs there. So, um, so yeah, I mean, they talked a lot about how they would have, they believe in this group. They believe in this group. They didn't change much continuity. They're talking about this stuff with Nashville, going to Nashville, trying to bring the team together because whatever, there was Eversley had that quote about how they didn't feel like a team last year. The chemistry seemed off and, A.K. also said that they he thought the team got complacent last off season after one playoff appearance and one win in the playoffs, and then you got smoked the rest of the series against the Bucks. I don't know how you get complacent after that. Like you would think that would like make you hungrier. Like we taste the playoffs, we got fucking de- obliterated. We should be hungrier to come back and be even better next year. Uh, but I mean, while it's while like it's ridiculous that he said that. It also is probably true. If you look at how they played last year, they would get leads and then get complacent and they think they could just roll over teams and it just like often didn't happen. Uh, so like it is ridiculous that he, like, I could feel like that he said that and that it was a thing, but it kind of was a thing because there you kind of saw the complacency come out, so it was like. What the hell, man? I mean, very frustrating to read, but, like, I mean, it is kind of true, and, I mean, we all kind of saw it. They just had these games where they would be playing well, and they would get complacent, and they'd fucking fall apart, and they'd blow it, or they had these games against some of these bum teams, and they would suck, and they thought they, could, they were so good that they could just roll over these teams. So, like... Uh, hopefully that's a thing that won't happen. Maybe they will actually, maybe this camaraderie and some trips to Nashville, the trip to Nashville, maybe some team dinners, a little, a top golf outing. I believe I saw that they're new. Maybe that'll actually help bring them together, improve this chemistry because that's kind of what they're banking on. They're banking on better, whatever, better team chemistry and camaraderie. They're banking on internal development and then Javon Carter and Tory Craig, nice signings for sure. But then them like making a big difference uh, because the rest of the team is basically the same. Uh, and again, I think we both think that they're gonna be decent this year. I think that we both think they should be better. How much better that is. who knows we obviously just saw the bucks and the Celtics make huge moves, and they were asked about that. Guys were asked about that, and they, they i mean they gave the right answers. We don't care about them, like whatever, but like ultimately you're 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 competing with those teams and uh I mean Demar talked about how he like likes the challenge and all that kind of stuff. I think it was Javon Carter who basically said like I don't care like I'm part of the bulls, but like Those teams, those good teams making huge moves to improve their teams and the Bulls are just kind of still relying on the continuity thing and they've they've been banging that drum for a few years. Uh, We'll see if that helps them this year. We'll see if this, uh, the Nashville training camp helps. Like I said, DeMar was really talking it up and because apparently that was the thing they always did in Toronto and that he hated doing training camp stuff like in the team's home city and that getting out to somewhere else was better. Um, We'll see. Uh, I'm somewhat skeptical about that but you never know maybe it will help but uh yeah so obviously a lot of stuff being said Ricky how about you what what really stood
1: out to you Yeah I enjoyed listening to Donovan as I always really do I enjoyed listening to Donovan's post game press conferences uh you know he just like has a good way of explaining the game to people who aren't quite as sharp as him, which is everyone because Billy Donovan's accomplished quite a lot in basketball and he knows what he's talking about. So Donovan basically said uh, that, you know, you need to get the team to play faster. They need to move the ball more and they need to change their shooting profile. And what I wish somebody would have sort of hammered him on is like, you know, they should have changed the shooting profile last year, a year ago, you know, in the 21, 22 season they were 29th and three-pointers made, 30th and three-point attempts. That was when they had Lonzo for half the year. And during that offseason, when they had a chance to address that, all they did was sign Goran Dragic. Right. you talk about complacency. The, the front office was complacent. The with front their office signings. was incredibly complacent. Goran Dragic, Andre Drummond uh, didn't do anything to address it the first time around. So then after the exact same problem weighing down the team last year, 30th and three-pointers made 30th and three-pointers attempted now finally ak and donovan can say all right this is a problem we need to change your shot profile they're like yeah well we had these ongoing discussions after the season we realized you know we need to play faster we need to shoot more threes Uh, we need to get to the foul line more it's like guys like you could have figured this out looking at cleaning the glass within 10 minutes at any point in last season and then work to change it for some reason they watched all these problems happen on the court the whole year then did the analysis later because apparently you know the Reinsdorf budget doesn't include five dollars a month for cleaning the glass (laughs) I do think that a lot of what Donovan said in particular was spot on those are the problems that uh that weigh down the team because you know as both, we AK, talked about it all year. as both AK and Millie, Billy mentioned, like their offense improved last year in terms of points per 100 possessions, but they fell to number 24. I believe, I don't have their rating before that, but I think it was like 14. So they fell from like 14 to 24, despite the fact they actually scored more. And that was because the rest of the league, offense just continued to explode. So uh, I, you know, if you look at their half-court scoring efficiency last year, The Bulls were ninth in the NBA in half court scoring efficiency. If you look at like overall field field goal percentage uh, or effective field goal percentage, I think in field goal percentage, let's pull it up just so that uh, we're not exaggerating. They were fourth in the league in field goal percentage as a team, 49 percent. Yet they had the 24th ranked offense. And that was because they lost the math game every single night. Uh, so it's good to hear them acknowledge these problems. But the question is, did Bill, did uh, Karnashevis do enough to address it in the offseason? And we already know he basically fucking punted the offseason where they signed Dragic and Drummond. And then this year, I like what they did in signing Javon Carter and Torrey Craig. Uh, but, you know, it's like very unspectacular for sure. Like, the, especially when you consider the fact that they left – Uh, part of the mid-level of the exception on the table once again. So they did not exhaust all their assets to try to improve the team, just in terms of like the exceptions available to add to the roster. Uh, And they're basically in another position where, you know, they just don't have a lot of depth on this team. Uh, And we'll talk about that more later, I'm sure. Because I think that's, you know, one of the biggest problems with the team is that they're basically only 10 deep heading into the year. So I think that Billy diagnosed the problems Correctly, If you listen to the way he explained it, like he explained it wonderfully. But when I when I was listening to him say it, I was just thinking, okay, Billy, but like you are the coach. You're not (laughs) like an armchair analyst. You're not hosting a podcast. You need to get the team to play this way. How do you plan on doing that? What are the challenges of that? Because, you know, we've seen this from Billy throughout his tenure. Remember when Levine, how many threes did Levine hit in that game? I want to say it was against the Sixers last year. Didn't he hit like 11 threes in a game? I can't remember. Something like that. He hit a bunch of threes. And afterwards, uh, Billy said something to the effect of, oh, I wish Zach would take 10 again. Well, after, you know, a couple hot nights shooting the basketball, Zach Levine was once again back to taking six or seven threes a night. Uh, And so despite the fact that his coach wants him to play that way, like Billy couldn't actually get the team to execute at that level. And so when Billy talks about, oh, we need to play faster, we need to shoot more threes, we need to get to the rim more, and getting to the rim more to hear Billy say it will unlock everything else, uh, I think that that's all well and good. But throughout his tenure as an NBA head coach – Billy Donovan has had an offense once that is ranked in the top half of the league. Despite having some serious talent, he had the number two offense in the NBA the year he had Kevin Durant, the f- his first year with the Thunder, when they blew a 3-1 lead in the Western Conference Finals to the 73-1 Warriors. Since then, they've never f- his teams have never fielded an above average offense. So while Billy may say that like, all right, I can look at the stats. I can diagnose these problems. Dude, you got to get the team to buy in. How are they going to do that? if what we've heard so far is that DeMar might take more threes, that's what they said in the score interview. And then they're going to f- run the offense more through Vooch. I would say both of those probably not great ideas. I think what you need is Zach Levine to take more threes. I think I believe need- Zach did say he was planning on it or maybe I think he said he was working on
2: like threes and drives, which is like, yes, like that's really all you should be taking. Yes, <laughs> isn't
1: getting to the rim. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's like, can Billy get the team to improve offensively? The fact that this team was 24th in offense while being fucking fourth in field goal percent and shooting 49% from the field as a it's team, you still had the 24th ranked offense in the NBA on a team wh- led by DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, and Nikola Vucevic. Like, you have to do something more than that offensively. I think that, that is just, like, incredibly underwhelming production. And I think Billy or AK pointed out that like all three of Levine, Vooch and DeRozan either had the number one or number two season of their career in terms of effective field goal percentage. So like all those guys had good yeah. individual seasons. They all stayed healthy yeah. yet with three offense first superstars or stars, air quote stars, <laughs> their offense still fucking sucked. So that's what I want to see this year is like, all right, Billy deduced the problem. Now let's see him actually yeah. fix it on the court. And I wish they would have done more to address it on the roster. Uh, instead, they basically approached this offseason uh, in like the least creative way possible. Right. Like they use their exceptions to get to right below the luxury tax line. That's, of course, what they were going to do. Like they didn't you know, hey, make they're a right play. above they made it. Give trade. them a break. But they didn't make a trade to like acquire any talent, uh, veteran talent, and it was a very sort of uncreative offseason. I mean, it
2: was fine. The move, like I said, we, the moves were fine, the signings were good, but they probably could have done more. And that's just like how it always is. Uh Yeah, but here, here I'm going to read the Billy quotes that you kind of were talking about, and I mentioned them too. You mentioned how do you have three guys at that level offensively, and we're 24th on offense shot the ball of the best man in the league. Our effective field percentage is good. Uh, he says other part, we didn't have many opportunities to offensive rebound. We did not get to the free throw line and the shot profile for me. It's less about taking more threes as much as it is how you generate them. Biggest challenge with this group is we've got to get in the paint. We've got to do a better job spacing, better job attacking the paint. About 85% of your fouls are taking place inside the paint. It's the best opportunity to offensive rebound on those shots. And then the third thing is where you get the kick out threes. And I think that's got to be real focused. So yeah, That's like, as you said, that's kind of what he diagnosed all those issues with the offense and why they shot so well overall, but played like, but the offense was shit. Uh, And Vooch kind of went into it more. I mentioned the Vooch stuff. Uh, He says, big thing for me is finding ways to utilize me more. Of course, he's going to say that uh, about conversations that informed his decision to resign before hitting free agency. Not so much for only for me shooting and scoring, but using my playmaking to help the team. And then he threw out some comparisons about like the Nuggets and Jokic and the heat with BAM. Uh, teams like that use their big men a lot as a playmaker. And I think we also have a team that can function that way. Obviously, with me and all the guards that we have and been play off the ball, it can make life a lot easier for a lot of our guys. Yada, yada, yada. Vooch also then admitted that they thought Lonzo was coming back last year and that they were going to be better. So, I mean, that could have also played in the complacency is that they legit thought Lonzo was coming back, which was clearly delusional based on how everything was going. But uh, Vooch pretty much came out and admitted that. Um, but then yeah, he said a lot of conversations with Billy before I signed and after I signed about what they were thinking, how he could u- how I could be utilized and where we could do a lot of stuff. So uh and he says a lot of stuff with him being a playmaker. Like I feel like that's better than like that idea. I think using him as a passer more is probably better than just like the, oh, we need to pound the ball in the vooch. So like he were the posts up shit. Like I like the idea of using him more as like the hub. At the line and stuff like that, as a passer, having more off-ball movement than just like we're gonna pound it into Vooch over and over. Was that just not gonna yeah. work? That's just not a way to run offense in this Chase, in it, the NBA.
1: Like we said though, the half-court offense was already good. Yeah, that's true. So, do they need to drastically change the half-court offense when it just finished ninth and they added a little bit more shooting? Maybe not. Uh, but the you know the issue I have with this is that it works when Demar is not on the floor because when Demar is on the floor. He kind of has to have the ball in his hands. He's not really an effective off-ball play. So if you're going to run the offense through Vooch with the starting lineup or the closing lineup, okay, now that reduces Demar to, like, standing in the corner and defenses aren't going to guard him. So already you're running into a problem of, like, this might actually make the offense worse because at least the way they run it, like, Vooch is a little bit of a spacing threat. Uh, out to three and you can like seal guys down low and sets pretty good screen. So, you know, like a lot of what their half court offenses works to hear Vooch say, just read that quote again. The first sentence of that quote.
2: What that was to, a big
1: thing for you, me finding ways to utilize me more. Yeah. You know? That was a big thing for me. Finding ways to utilize me more. Like that's comical. <laughs> <laughs> like Root, you're comparing yourself to Jokic. You're not in the same fucking league. As Jokic. <laughs> Bam, you're not nearly as good as Bam, uh, so that's quite a bit of delusion. I think just hearing player <laughs>
2: confidence, gotta love it.
1: Yeah, but what, like, so are the Bulls really going to run the offense more through Vooch? And if they do that in the half court, will that have a positive effect on the overall offense? To me, I don't know. Like, I do like I do like that when DeMar's on the bench. I, I mean, I think yeah, a lot Demar of it- on the bench have Vooch tap into more of his playmaking because Lord knows Levine's not going to create like with the ball in his hands and be a trusted decision maker. You know, Levine's at his best as an off-ball scorer. So when Demar's not in the game, I think it makes sense. Uh, and I would like to see them like run more of those lineups, right? Where like you sort of have Demar with shooting, and then you could run the DeMar ball offense, and then you can have Zach and Vooch, when DeMar's not in the game, uh, you know, rely a little bit more on the two-man game and maybe sort of tap more into, you know, defensive lineups that can hit the glass, hypothetically.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: Yeah, and in terms of, like, whatever, if they're going to run through stuff through Vuj, like, that's probably where you have to actually have to start shooting more three-pointers. If they want to use them as a hub to, like, spray the ball and actually, like, move the ball, you're going to need off that off-ball movement. You're going to have to need guys who will be willing to spot up and move around the perimeter and actually shoot threes, and that's where some of these other guys will come in, whether it's Patrick Williams, whether it's Kobe, whether it's Javon Carter, uh, and some of these other guys we've talked about just having to get more three-pointers of I O uh because i know we've talked about i mean they they again they kind of did the whole like we haven't we're not naming a point guard yet it's going to be a competition in training camp we've talked a little bit about that already they also didn't they also did not say patrick williams is the starting power forward i think we're all assuming that he's going to be uh but maybe they start tory craig instead for the veteran or uh i would assume that's going to be pat but um like they they have not said they they have not Named a starter, a point guard. And they have not named a starter, power forward. So it seems like they're going to kind of see what's going on in camp with some of these new additions and kind of play that out. Uh, I know, like they had, they had their like picture time, and they had. I think the five guys they had in the picture were like, I think it was the the mid three, and then Caruso and Pat, which we've talked about. We would not be surprising if that was the starting lineup or the closing lineup is those five guys. But uh, again, they have not come out and said who they plan on starting at two of their positions. So it's going to be. Possibly a little open competition there.
1: How do you feel about that? Yeah, I think that'll be fun. I like the idea of starting Caruso. I think start him because you consistently got off to poor starts last year, and then make him the first guy you pull, and then put Javon Carter in the game. Uh and I get that, like, you know, Caruso can really only play so many minutes. Like it's a big uh it's a big limit on his overall effectiveness. Is like you cannot play him 30 minutes a night and expect him to, you know, play uh, play all the 82 games. Like, last year, I believe Caruso played 23 minutes a game. Uh, so, you know, you really got to save him for closing time. Like, that's really when it's important to have Caruso on the floor. But, man, how many games last year, Jason, did we watch where the Bulls were down like 14 to 4 right away? <laughs> yeah, right. And they'd have to claw the, their way back. I just think, like, you know, Caruso is perhaps the signature perimeter defender in the NBA. It makes sense to have him guard the other team's best players, and those guys are starters. So, uh, th- there is certainly a question of, like, is there enough shooting? Is there enough spacing um, if he is in the starting lineup? And I get why that's an issue. But, like, you know, Caruso, get up the threes, baby. Like, if they're not going to guard you, let him fly. And I believe there's a stack going around uh by some Twitter account that yeah. uh was calling it shot quality. And it essentially was like the players who are guarded the least in the NBA. And number one was Isaac Okoro, the Cavs wing, who was picked one spot after Patrick Williams and famously just as a totally broken jump shot. Well, both Caruso and Io were up there. Uh Last season, and Caruso actually did shoot the ball pretty solidly, thirty six point four percent from three. But he only took two point three uh, attempts per game from three. If you stretched him out to thirty six minutes, it would still only be three and a half attempts from three per game. You know that's the issue with the Bulls; their role players don't yeah. shoot nearly enough threes, and it drags down their overall offensive effectiveness. But I still like Caruso just to sort of like raise the level of intensity from the start of the game instead yeah. of like all right let's get a double digit deficit right out of the gates every night yeah what do you, who do you think should start a point guard
2: yeah i feel like i i I feel like i figured it would be carter but i mean he's not really a pure point guard either uh but since I'd also be fine. Crusoe's offense just gonna be so bad sometimes, but like, obviously, I love watching him play defense. And like, I get the idea of uh, whatever their best guys are out there. It's like you want your best defender out there. I just wish he was he was willing to shoot more three pointers, and maybe he will be. I don't know. Um, Like I said, I've mentioned that I like. I mean, Kobe has an opportunity as well. I guess if Kobe keeps getting better, like maybe he ends up taking the role. I still, like I said, I still like him more as the microwave six man guy, but. I mean, maybe he does legit, legitimately take a leap because theoretically Kobe would probably be like the best like point guard out of all of them. Because again, Carter's not really like a point guard, point guard, doesn't really get in the paint much. I, like as a passer, I think he's okay. Uh, he's obviously just great defender, really good three point shooter. It's um, so, like Kobe could, if key like improves defensively and. Can we get a little better all around game. Like he can maybe be a little bit of everything. Obviously, he's never going to match defensively with Carter and Caruso are, but maybe, like I said, I, I'd be surprised if Kobe started the year as the starting point guard. But um, so I feel like I've been leaning towards Carter. I'd be totally fine if it was Caruso. Obviously, he's just awesome defensively. Here, I have some stuff here from practice, kind of t- looking at some of the starting lineup stuff from just today. Um, Looks like Patrick Williams worked with the first unit today, but that Torrey Craig is going to get a look tomorrow. He said uh, Alex Crusoe is going to get some minutes of power forward Uh, in terms of Williams starting. He said he'll play an integral role, but has not committed everything. I totally forgot that they benched Pat last year and brought him off the bench like the the last quarter of the year. Talked about Pat starting and then staggering him a bit more so he can get more minutes against the second unit. Maybe get him some more opportunities to handle the ball and stuff like that. There's a lot of good. this, this article just came out from Casey Johnson today talking about Pat. And I know our Will Gottlieb has a lot of stuff. I think he had some stuff on Pat as well. Um, Just a bunch of Pat quotes talking about his season. Um, So I know I kind of moved off the point guard thing. Ultimately, like I said, I think I've been leaning towards it just like I thought it might be Carter, um, uh, but I could see it being Caruso. Ultimately, I would guess Caruso gets the nod more down the stretch of games. Although I could also see if maybe if they don't, if Pat's like not having a good game, like maybe they go with lineups that are like Carter Caruso or like Kobe Caruso and then the other three the, whatever the main three guys like they could certainly mix and match with some of these guys here with, with what they do with closing lineups which I think ultimately is going to be more important anyways um but but yeah it'll be interesting to see like i don't think there's a clear cut guy there and i, I like I, I feel like I go back and forth on like who i'd want to see uh and i think though it seems like they're going to kind of test some stuff out here so it'll be interesting let's let's talk about pat a bit more then uh, like i said we got some good quotes here from kc um, they kind of asked him just about whatever, how he's going to take it. Well, first of all, I know they asked DeMar about him. Uh, like DeMar had a funny line about how he wants to see him get a technical and just be more vocal, uh, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and he sees he, th- he thinks he's seen him a little more. He said he called him more personal, personable, but he said he's still got to talk more. He says he wants. Uh, he wants to sh- him show more bravado. He will- hopes he gets a technical foul, and he said he would pay the fine for it if he got a technical foul, uh, just because I think he just wants to see him be a bit more outspoken a bit more outgoing, just a bit more aggressive in general, and then Pat had a bunch of quotes uh, talking about how he, like, doesn't care about stats. All he does is he wants to talk about he- is that winning will take care of everything he said. Uh, they asked him, like, individually. Here's a quote here from Pat today. He said, win. I come from Florida State. You guys know my stats there don't match up to the fourth pick. It just doesn't talent wise. For sure, I to be des- I deserve to be the fourth pick, but I truly believe. Winning takes care of everything, uh, and then he also they also just asked about some contract stuff and like kind of how his career has gone. I don't think anything has gone wrong. I feel extremely extremely comfortable where I am going into my fourth year. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm actually proud of the steps I've taken to get at this point. I think I put myself in a really good position going into my fourth year to show what I can do. Uh, he talked about being more consistent, consistent rebounding, pushing the ball, aggressive in transition, creating off the dribble, catch and shoots, being more forceful. Putting he thinks it's time to put all the, the puzzle together. Um, And he said he ultimately doesn't really care about starting. He wants to start, but whatever. Come in and he'll just kind of do what he does. Might have to sacrifice stuff, blah, 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 blah. So a lot of stuff from Pat today. And we know like he is going to be an important part. And we talk about just whatever, needing better. Uh, I mean, we know the the mid three is probably is just not really overall good enough. But like to whatever, be like a title contender. But if they are going to be like somewhat of a contender, they do need some of these guys around them to step up. And we know we've talked about Pat. He's been a hot button topic among amongst Bulls fans and analysis. Because it just hasn't really, he has, he has gotten better, but like the overall stats, it just his his overall production has kind of stayed the same since he came into the league. His effectiveness and impact has definitely improved, but the numbers just have not really taken much of a jump. So hoping we kind of see that. And he talked about some of the stuff. And we talk about the Bulls getting more baskets in transition, I guess, and playing faster. Patrick Williams, maybe he can do more of that. Leading fast breaks, getting out in transition, doing that kind of stuff. Rebounding. We talk about the Bulls maybe being better offensive rebounding. We've seen Patrick Williams get sick put-back dunks from time to time. He's the guy who needs to be crashing the glass. If he's working off the ball and whatever, it's sack and tomorrow cooking or Vooch is doing something, Pat, go attack the offensive glass. Get some offensive rebounds. Use that big frame of yours to get more opportunities. We know we've catching shoots. Obviously, we want him to take more threes creating off the dribble we don't know how many opportunities he'll get there just with the guys on the team but taking advantage of those when he gets them so um i think one interesting about pat as well is about the contract like i'd i'd be surprised at this point if he does sign a contract extension just because i feel like he probably thinks that like if he has a big year he could probably be in line for a lot more money we just saw uh Devin vassell sign what what five for like 150 which was a pretty big number like vassell's numbers 64 this... oh geez it was that much I thought so. I thought it was like 146. Either way, it was like around $30 million a year for him. Uh, and like, obviously, his numbers are better. I think he's 146, up, you're right. Yeah, here. I think he so. put up like 17, 18 points a game last year for the Spurs. And the point stuff will always kind of stand out and you'll get paid off that. And like, if I mean, if the Bulls gave Pat a five-year $150 million contract, I would think people would lose their minds. Uh, not that he would, he, I think he could po- possibly live up to it just with the cap going up, but you see a deal like that. Five forty six, And it's like, I'd be shocked if Pat got that. I don't know what, like, I, I don't know what exactly we haven't really heard much about negotiations. I'm sure they've talked. They've probably exchanged some stuff, but it seems like this, it feels like a situation kind of like Jimmy, not that like Pat has uh, had head showed quite as much as Jimmy did, but like going into his fourth year where, um, Shown some stuff, but just like hasn't really broken out yet. I'm not saying Pat's gonna come out and have a Jimmy Butler like fourth year re earns like a max contract, but where Pat probably thinks that maybe if he does have a big year and he does put the puzzle together, like he said, that five and maybe instead of 590 or 500, because I know that's kind of the number that people have thrown around as a possibility for him, maybe that does turn into like five one, or I don't know if he could get five years next year, uh, but whatever, something that's from 20 million to something like 30 million annually. So, like, I feel like there's just like not. I'd be surprised if they find a common ground there because I feel like he just thinks that he could probably bet on himself and maybe have a bigger year. But um, I, what do you make about out of the Pat stuff from these kind of quotes from the first couple of days here and his situation?
1: Yeah. I think that, you know, we talk about the three point shooting being 30th in attempts two years in a row, the bulls were also number 28 in offensive rebound rate two years in a row. And part of that is of course, by design, because, you know, you either crash the glass offensively or you get back on defense and, try to be a good transition defense team last year, despite the bulls being the number five overall defense, they're only 16th in their transition defense. So really they were just like a really good half court defense uh, in general. Um, But yeah, I think Pat needs to attack the offensive glass like per 36 minutes last year, five rebounds per 36. That's just like not enough for someone with his physical tools. Uh, And I think like, you know, as you said, we don't know how much of an opportunity he's going to get to create off the dribble. We know he's an accurate shooter, but a very slow shooter. Where he needs to make an impact is, like, sort of forcing the issue himself. Like, just go make a play. Go get an offensive rebound. Go, uh, you know, take a coast-to-coast and transition or attack a yeah. close-up. Like, cut. Finish, you know, we've seen him finish well off two feet in like near the basket would love to see more of that um i'd love to see more inverted pick and rolls with pat as a handler and like levine screening for him if you get levine's man on him that's where pat can really like overpower someone to the basket if he gets a smaller defender on him so there's a lot more to uh tap into with pat i think it's on donovan to a certain extent to uh figure out ways to get him involved and then it's on just on pat to go make a play so Excited about his season. I do think the fact that he played 82 games last year was like one of the best parts of last season. Uh, He wasn't great, certainly, but just the fact that like, you know, coming off a year where he got hurt in the fifth game of of the season that he played all 82. I think that was wonderful experience for him. Wonderful reps. And you just hope like the breakout is going to eventually come. And I've always been sort of skeptical. It's going to happen while DeRozan's on the team. And really, like, taking the ball out of DeMar's hands to give it to Pat would make the team worse on the floor right away. But it might be more beneficial for the long-term hopes of the franchise if Pat were to start to develop, you know, some on-ball scoring chops. Until that day happens, Jason, maybe, you know, DeMar will get hurt at some point this year and Pat can step in and take on a bigger role. Until that happens, though, he has to be better at just, like, picking his spots and finding – Opportunistic ways to score. Would love to see it as a cutter, as a rebounder, as a roll man, and just let that thing fly, Pat, from three. Like, if uh, our boy Patton, the new shooting coach, can improve yeah. the speed of Patrick Williams' shooting release, even ten or fifteen percent, that could be you know something that pays dividends for the bull So, uh, big year for Pat as always. But man, it's kind of a bummer to just be going into another year where we're like. <laughs> Well, the hopes of the franchise around Patrick Williams <laughs> and Kobe White. And on, I was like really saying... nobody around the rest of the NBA considers these guys to be like truly great prospects. Like if you were ranking the best players in the league under 25, like they probably don't even make the top 50. Uh, and once again, like. There's a lot of hope for the franchise on their shoulders. And I think both of them could have a good year. Like we saw it with Markinon, that like he took his lumps early in his career and he had a break. Maybe Kobe can do the same thing now that he's off his rookie uh, scale deal. I'm not saying he's going to become an all-star the way that Markinon turned into. But just like, you know, be more of a consistent producer and help the teams in the area where they need to be helped. And his shooting and like some of his playmaking ability addresses that and his speed. That was one thing we always heard about Kobe White. Yep. Transition. You we know, talk about transition. Spe- Kobe, use your speed and get
2: the team out in transition.
1: Yeah. So I'm excited for both of them. I think that Pat, you know, like I said, he's just can't score 10 points a game, man. Like, <laughs> get gotta, us 15. Come on. Got to get us 15, buddy so let's see, if get us 13 there. i would take 13 yeah.
2: 12 to 15 i think is uh, not 12 we want fine. 13 th- game game lucky game number 13 12. 13 to 15 points per game um you, bre- you mentioned kobe and kind of back to the point guard thing i was just reading over some quotes here uh, some more quotes this is from will gottlieb and uh he had some good Kobe quotes here. I'll kind of just read out, read them out real quick. He was just talking about the point guard situation in this article from Will. He thinks it's going to be more just Carter, Kobe, and Io as the three options. Did not mention Caruso, and maybe yeah. they think Caruso was more of a power forward type or whatever. So maybe they are not considering that. I don't know, but that's what, kind of what Will said. He said it seemed like it's between Carter, Kobe, and Io. But here's some quotes from Kobe. Um, carter has some quotes too but let's talk we've been talking about kobe here so he said honestly over the years it might sound weird but i kind of learned and grown to love the chaos and chaos and unpredictability of my situations I kind of love being in those challenging situations kind of just to prove my, to myself what i'm really made of and now i continue to fight through everything this year what where- Every role i get hopefully it stays stable and i'm in that role for the majority of the year and i continue to grow and find that consistency that i'm looking out for the biggest thing to- is just being vocal being that leader being that guy that can settle everybody down getting those guys in spots where they feel comfortable honestly just commanding the show i think a lot of times damar and zach find themselves bringing the ball up and then initiating the offense i think they need someone to do that for them and then let them focus on what their game is just putting the ball in the basket uh c- kind of good quotes there from kobe just ca- trying to be a leader and talking about how he just kind of wants, he wants to have a role. He wants like to have a defined role and that's kind of be him. And I kind of, I do kind of like them saying that, you know, like Demar and Zach, like they're good players. They're, they're best at getting buckets, but like, it'd be better if we do have, if we had like a point guard who can really just like run the offense and run the show, whether that can be him. We'll see. Like I said, we know, like a couple of years ago, they tried to make Kobe the starting point guard and it was just not good at all. It was bad, but he has grown. He has gotten better. Uh, And maybe, I said again, maybe he does kind of, kind of blossom into that role. Maybe he does have a breakout year and becomes the, the point guard of the future that they, the Bulls were hoping when they drafted him a few years ago. Obviously, a different front office now, but maybe he becomes that guy. If not, like I think he could still be a valuable bench guy. They got him on a good contract. They resigned him this year, um, but those are. I feel like those are good quotes from Kobe, like mature talking about just like his they're just rising up to these challenges and dealing with the, some of the, just all the moving parts that have happened and his role has kind of fluctuated over the years. Um, so it, it, I think it'll be interesting to see like how, what kind of season he has as well. Like I said, I'd, I've been a Kobe skeptic. He, like a couple of years ago, he was really bad to close the season and it was really rough. But last year, uh, he did get better. I thought those last like couple of months after his tough start, um, he was really, he had some really nice moments in that, the heat play in game. So maybe I said, maybe he does sit up to the challenge and he ends up taking that role on. So um, yeah, like, well, the bulls don't have like any like surefire young talent right now. Like again, I'm not, I don't want to rule these guys out yet. Deve- the development curve isn't always linear. Maybe this is the year that these two guys break out. And then it would certainly make for a much more interesting and fun and better season. If those two guys do really to step up to the plate, but um, it'll be on them it'll be on Billy to put these guys in the right
1: spot so um, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out yeah excited for Kobe think Kobe could have a pretty good year assist per 100 possessions who do you think average more Caruso or Kobe
2: The uh, I feel like because you're asking this it was
1: Caruso but yeah it was Caruso slightly <laughs> just <yeah. laughs> slight. and that was one thing I was going to bring up before you said it is it doesn't seem like Donovan is considering Caruso a point guard And I understand it from the sense that, like, I agree that your position is who you guard on the basketball floor. But even if he's not guarding point guards, like Caruso just transcends, uh, like, the normal way you would label a defensive player. You know what I mean? so... To like have him to think about him exclusively as a power forward, I think would be a mistake because that's how his body's going to break down. He's going to be going yeah. against bigger players every single night. I want to see him start a point guard. I like Kobe off the bench. <laughs> I really like Javon Carter. While uh, Arturis Karnachovis might be banking his hopes for a decent season on, you know, more team cohesion and the guys getting along better and it's all kumbaya. I am banking my hopes on the Bulls having a better season because I think Javon Carter is a pretty good sign. And I think he's gonna bring uh a lot of what ailed this team last year. I think that his on-ball defense when Perry's I mean, he's, he's a better version defense. of Beverly. Like
2: whatever if you really do believe in like the Bulls being better with Beverly, again, we've talked about we're skeptical about that. They the record was 14 and nine. Uh, it was during the goofy part of the year, and there were games there where they got fucking embarrassed by good teams, and the good teams actually tried. At the end of the year, they loved to the trot out the "we were better against good teams." We were fourteen and nine with Patrick Beverly. They also there was like that Sixers game where I think they were down like twenty five points in like the first quarter. They got smoked by the Lakers. They got smoked by the Hawks when it mattered. So like uh like some of those games were like it really came like down to it and they could have like really needed to win they got absolutely demolished so like some of that is whatever but like if you really do believe that they were actually a bit better with beverly and like some of the stats do bear it out even if that was kind of the goofy part of the year javon carter is a better player than patrick beverly is this career similar whatever bulldog defensive player but just a much better three-point shooter and he's younger uh so like if you really do want to buy into that Carter's just a better patrick beverly and and uh,
1: obviously not the same exact player, but like some of the, some similar things that they'll be looking for from him. So yeah. in a better Patrick, Beverly could be a pretty good player, like yeah. a much more willing shooter. Yeah. Beverly had such a long, slow release <laughs> as a spot up shooter where, you know, it just led to more record scratching from a team that did a ton of it. Um, I think the transition aspect Carter should be good because he's especially willing to pull up from three there in his on ball defense is excellent. Uh, can he do anything inside of the arc? To this point, he hasn't really proven it in his career. And really, he's sort of only had one good season <laughs> in his yeah. career. Uh, so again, it's like it's a lot to put it on his shoulders and be like, this guy who got a three or twenty million dollar contract that's not that big of a contract, is going to lead the team to real improvement. But I think it could happen because he addresses a lot of the areas where the team's pretty weak. So, yeah, Jace, I mean, I think we know what we're getting with this bowl season, right? Like, they're nothing close to a championship contender. Lonzo's not coming back. Uh, And while the present of the team is like, well, maybe they could be slightly above average, the future of the team remains, you know, pretty murky. They don't really have much good young talent on the roster. Uh, And I think that that's the reason why a lot of hardcore fans are just still really bummed going into this season because like there's just not a ton of hope for the Bulls in the long term. For me personally, I'm more just like, well, we're watching almost every game. We have a Bulls podcast. (laughs) It's nice that most of the games on the schedule this year they will have a chance to win. Like They're not going to be as good as the top four overall teams in the league, which is the Bucs, the Celtics, the Suns, and the Nuggets. And I'm sure there will emerge more teams that are a cut above them as the season goes on. Yeah, You could put the Cavs in there, the Knicks in there, still probably the Sixers with Embiid the grizzlies always seem to kick the, the lakers should be really good the lakers will be good again probably
2: the warriors even with i know drama hurt no already warriors.
1: but uh but even when they play those teams they should at least probably be able to compete with them and to hear our tourists say it oh we competed so well against the best teams <laughs> last year it does feel like you know, what really holds the franchise back is a lack of aspiration. Uh, And I think Karnashova said it at one point in his media day appearance. He said like, you know, Chicago is a very demanding city. They demand that your team is good every year. And the first thing that went through my head when he said that is, I wonder if they won't let him rebuild ever. Like right now, half the fan base is clamoring them for them to rebuild. And maybe it's more than half the fan base. It's all the diehard fans, pretty much. And the team seems to have zero interest in yeah. rebuilding. Um, but like we said, a rebuild is probably inevitable for them because their best players are old, the overall team is average, and they have no good young players. <laughs> so, you know, what they're really staring down is a season where... They're not contending for a championship, and they're not building towards a championship. So if you're disgusted at the state of Chicago Bulls basketball in 2023, I think that's a perfectly good reason. Me, myself, I'm going to try to just enjoy the games, hope the team can hit its reasonable upside, which would be like 46 wins, and give us something we can watch. And talk about and have fun with and not be the- disgusted, <laughs> which is otherwise gonna suck in Chicago. So, you know, if we gotta suffer through the winter, at least give us a kind of fun bowls team that's maybe punching above its weight a little bit. And they do have some some pretty good talent. And Billy Donovan certainly seems to know what's ailing the team. Now let's see if they can take that and put it into effect on the court. But I am strangely excited for the season. I guess I always am. I guess I'm always sort of hopeful. Despite the fact that Chicago Sports does nothing but just slap me in the face,
0: right? And all time. the other teams are just so it's
2: bad. Where it's like we just we're looking for something, we're grasping at something here. It was just, the rest of it's just such shit. Uh, like you mentioned, like before the Cubs collapse, like they were in position, like they were a team that they were better than expected. They were like twelve games over five hundred with like a month to go. And even just like a merely bad finish would have had them in the playoffs, but they choked it away. But like you, I, you, I believe you mentioned multiple times, if the Bulls were kind of like that, I know like it's a little different because <laughs> now they a Veteran team, so. but like they were, they were kind of punching above their weight. They were in position to make the playoffs before the collapse. But like when they they went on a run through like the middle of the season where they were one of like the best teams in the majors and their run differential was great. And like if the Bulls were able to have a season kind of like that, not collapse, not included, uh like that would be great. That'd be a lot of fun. Like we know that yeah, we know they're not gonna match up, assuming health wise, and they're not gonna beat a Bucks team with that team. They're not gonna beat the Celtics. They're not as good as those other teams. But if they can be maybe creep into like top 10 ish team in the NBA uh and whatever maybe win a playoff series like that's I feel like the the ceiling we can hope for there. Like I would take that. Where they go from there, who the fuck knows? how they build from that as you mentioned like the future still doesn't look that great but you never know like things can change really fast in the nba we see these big trades happening and the bulls have really not been in on the trade market at all in several years uh because they believe so much in this continuity uh but you never know so like we try to hope for the best probably better than being just like miserable because scott's words are miserable like, so i don't want to I guess I'm not going to have like high expectations because that'll just lead to disappointment. But go into the season, just hoping for the best. If they suck, they suck. It's like whatever. We'll complain about them, but um, hoping for the best because you just don't want to just be miserable the whole time and just be like, oh, they need to blow it up, blow it up. That's it. Blah blah blah. Like because at some point they maybe they will have to, and maybe it'll finally happen, and we'll get a tanking season and they'll play for the draft. But for now, with what they're doing, they're not going. They're not going to do it. So we're not. There's almost no point in like complaining about them not about them doing it, because it just seems like they have no appetite for a rebuild, as you mentioned. So if they're gonna try to win, try to win as many games as we can. It's kind of trying to win on
1: point. their own terms, Jace, in yeah. that Jerry Reinsdorf way. We will win, but we're not going to try that hard. We're certainly not going to sign Otani. <laughs> Jerry Reinsdorf just fucking said out of nowhere when he hired uh, Chris Gatz is the new White Sox GM. So I forgot you know, to bring.
2: Yeah. I'm sorry, I forgot to bring this up tomorrow. they asked him like, why this, t- this team's going to be different. And he just said third time's a charm. That's like the, the mantra for this <laughs> Bulls team, third time's a charm, the continuity third year together with this group. It's finally going to happen. Uh, well, so like, that's what we're hoping for. Their time's a chart, baby. They're going to they're gonna all of a sudden break out, even though Lonzo's not here. I did want to bring up Lonzo real quick. Uh, as you mentioned, it was nice to see him out there. It was interesting that they did have him talk in like full uniform, even though he's not playing this year. Obviously also just kind of depressing, but uh, nice to see him out there, to see him in pretty good spirits. Um, and he had some good quotes. Like he says, he's definitely going to be back. He talked about his surgery. He hasn't had setbacks. Yeah, he talked about how he misses playing. Of course, and, like he feels so bad for him. He's been playing since he was a little kid, uh, but he says, I definitely plan on playing again after surgery three. I feel like it's going well so far. No setbacks. So for me, just keep my head up. Just keep doing the work again. Hopefully uh, again, we at this point, we cannot expect anything from Lonzo ball, even if he does come back. I mean, how good is he going to be uh, when he come when he comes back? You just can't really expect much. He'll be on probably minute limits and probably can't play back to backs and like, uh, we've talked about how they probably need to use that salary to trade him and get that dead money off the books. But um doesn't seem like that's going to happen either. Maybe at some point they'll be able to. And uh, I mean, if he does somehow come back and play for the bulls again next year, like more power to him, don't have any expectations for it. But it wasn't, to see him, like I said, talk seems like he's doing a bit better. The, the rehab's going a bit better. He's in some better spirits. So uh, at
1: least that was nice to see, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Hey. Does it bother you that if the Bulls do hit their upside this year and win like 44 games, let's say they win 44. Let's say they make the playoffs as the 7th seed. And let's say they lose in 5 in the first round. <laughs> do you think Arturus is going to come out there and say we accomplished our goals? Yeah, we won 44 games, we oh, made yeah. the playoffs. I think so. We accomplished our goals. That would even though I would be, like, relatively okay with that season, I'm drawing the line at 45. That's what I want, Jason. I, not think,
2: I think he would say yes if they actually did get into the play. I mean, seven seed is technically still the play-in, so they'd have to get into the playoffs. I think if they get into the actual playoffs and win more games than last year, that they would think that's a success. I mean, they, who said, was it Eversley who said that in that one interview with Darnell? Like, we need to win more games than last year. AK says we need to make the playoffs. And it seems like they make the playoffs after missing last year, that that would be reaching their goals because they he did not mention winning a playoff series this year they just said we need to get in the playoffs and then we'll see where it goes from there because the heat were an eight seed and made the finals uh even though there's totally different they don't have a player as good as jimmy butler <laughs> just the whole operation there is totally different so like that using that as an example isn't really that great especially now that boston and miami are just like super teams basically or boston yeah, and milwaukee because
1: miami the year before
2: was in the conference finals. Like, yeah, they were in one seed the year before yeah. with basically like the same team. So like, that was just a total like fluke thing with injuries and just a weird regular season for them. So like, so yeah, but yeah, I think if they won four, if they win mid forties and get into the playoffs, even if they got smoked in the first round, and I think they'd see that as success. Uh I don't know, like, then what, what would they do after that? Who the fuck knows? Like, in terms of adding to the team, like, would they pull try to pull out the well? Lonzo's coming back next year, like. That's going to be a big boost for us. Like that would be delusional, but um, who knows, man. And and <laughs> I guess the last thing I wanted to bring up was the Demar yeah. extension. They asked them about the Demar stuff, and like they kind of hemmed and hawed. So, you know, like Demar has been great for us. Like we're talking about it. We'll see. And we've talked a lot about the Demar extension stuff. I don't know how much more deep into it we want to go, but um, but yeah, like if they do, like whatever. If they do sign Demar to an extension, which We've talked about uh like that's really gotta be team friendly. Like you can't really commit like why even why rush into a tomorrow extension right now? There's no reason to really do that. But like if they did do it and they did have whatever, a decent season, I think they probably just be like, all right, we're gonna let's let's run it back again. Like we're gonna have we had a we had our, we met our goals, we made the playoffs, we got better, and we're just gonna keep running this team and we're gonna keep getting better somehow. Uh, and I don't know. Maybe they think they're gonna they can make some bigger move from there. I mean, we've, the Levine trade rumors. The, Levine was asked about the trade rumors, and he answered diplomatically, brushed them off. Good answer from him. Um, I mean, we'll see. Like, if what if, if they do have a good season like that, like would they be more inclined to trade Zach for something else? I don't know. Who knows? The it's kind of weird. It seems like they really want to trade him, but they haven't gotten an offer to their liking yet because no one else around the league seems to like him very much. But like, if Zach has a huge season and kind of and helps them get into the playoffs. Uh who knows what would happen in the playoffs, but
1: uh would that help his trade value? Would they be more inclined to keep him? I don't know. Who knows? But yeah, I guess my hope for this team is that they do not give DeMar an extension. <laughs> I don't want them to sink any more assets into this team. Right. <sighs> and I think that if because they're not Competing for a championship in one move, even getting Drew Holiday, who's awesome, that would not have moved them to competing for a championship. They still would have been drawing dead. They still would have had a zero percent chance to win the championship.
2: Well, you don't believe our guy C-red Fred said if they traded for Drew Holiday, they'd be a 55 to 60 win team. You don't believe that? <laughs> no, I'm not buying that. I'm
1: not buying Fred. Fred. <laughs> one of the main player. Fred. But uh yeah, so I don't want them to put any more assets into the team, this version of the team. They need to rebuild, and I'm fine with them not doing it now, but they have to do it probably after this season. Even yeah, if they blew their best window to maximize that rebuild because they didn't get assets for Demar, and they re signed Vooch on a deal that's probably going to lock him in for three years because no one's going to want to trade for him. Um, so. You know, I just like I'm fine watching the team this year. Let's see how many games they can win. Third time's a charm, baby. Yeah. Like, don't resign Demar. Uh, if you want to resign Pat, I'm cool with that. Five years, a hundred million. Yeah. Sure, Young David player Lockman. help trade value. If you really wanted to move him, yeah. With Demar, I think, if they like, put a hundred million on the table for Pat, is he really not going to take it? Do you think he think, would say I, I don't want a hundred forty-six like Devin Vassell? I think, I think he, th- he would definitely take it. I don't know. I think he thinks if he has a good year that he could get a lot more. He's, his Jimmy personality did. could not be any more different than Jimmy Butler. That's true. Jimmy Butler Emo is like Jimmy. I'm going to become the greatest player on the team, and I'm going to shove that bullshit down Garform's <laughs> throat. Patrick Williams is like I'm a perfect angel. Would you like me to put together a bouquet for you to show me, you know, to show my appreciation for you? So. Pat and Jimmy, like they should never be mentioned in the same breath. They are totally different human beings and totally different players. The only thing they somewhat have in common is they are roughly the same size. (laughs) Besides that, they have nothing in common at all about their on court or off court, uh, you know, personality. Or, um, I don't want, I, I was happy they didn't trade for Drew Holiday. Um, because if they had to trade an unprotected 2029 pick, I mean, and they would have drops, to give it up a lot, the Bucks swaps in 2030. And I'm like, no, dude, like the 2030s have to be better than this because <laughs> this, while it's, you know, I'll use the word palatable, only in comparison to the boiling era. <laughs> uh, the team's not that good, and we know they're not that good, and even worse, leadership of the team. Is perfectly fine with them being not that good. You know, they're like, well, if everything goes right, we could have a decent year. Jason, that is like the Chicago sports team mantra. If everything goes right, we can be okay. But like, never are you like doing everything you can to be great and uh yeah i'm trying to go into the season with like a positive mindset because i'm sort of just like fuck it we ball like let's yeah. just see what like i said my expectations is. aren't high
2: but i'm gonna try to be optimistic and try to be somewhat positive and just hope for the best basically uh like i said and there's yeah no reason to rush into the Demar extension like if they do have a good season i bet they would resign him and then it's like who the hell knows but like if it, if they actually have like a really good season and surprise like then sure i guess why not uh fine whatever I don't know if it's going to happen, but uh whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we're going to try to be optimistic about this again. We got first preseason game coming up here on, on Sunday Uh after what is it, Sunday night, Sunday during the day. I don't even remember. It's going to be another after another terrible Bears game. I want to wrap it up here with one last question. Now that you brought up Jim Boylan, Ricky,
1: who is worse, Jim Boylan or Matt Eberflus? Who you got? I feel like. Somehow Boylan was still more embarrassing. Like, Boylan was just, like, more of a clown. Eberflus is an objectively terrible coach. That man will find a way to lose being put in any situation, even with the three-touchdown lead, as we saw last week against the league-worst Broncos, uh, league-worst besides for the Bears. Eberflus... Is just unbelievably poor as a coach. I honestly think polls sucks too. I'm totally team fire Ryan polls. Jason, if you're ranking the keepers on the Bears right now, it's sort of unreal how few keepers the roster has. You'd probably say Darnell Ryan their top keeper. Their second keeper is DJ Moore. And their third keeper is maybe Kyler Gordon just because he hasn't played. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone else who has played has been shitty. Who'd so you say was your number one keeper? darnell wright okay yeah 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 i
2: would was, I was yeah. say him yeah still was the
1: wrong pick <laughs> you yeah. know what i mean you should take <laughs> yeah.
2: Jalen carter yeah so oh yeah all, maybe rashawn johnson maybe i don't know like it's yeah. a running back it's a, a running run back.
1: Back.
2: you could cycle through that yeah. dj moore is awesome he's he's pretty good even besides that drop against the chiefs whatever but he's been, he was awesome last week yeah i mean at this point they're staring on the barrel of caleb williams and maybe even marvin Harrison. maybe they t- like i said caleb williams as like Fields was great last week and then he had the whole mess up. But I feel like it's just not gonna happen with him. The vibes are so bad. And like the stench, I feel no. like it's just all over him. He's screwed. So like no. it's like it's tank time, it's Caleb Williams, it's Marvin Harrison Jr. Get a pass rush. Uh please, they have the worst pass rush in the NFL. And If yeah, Iberflues is just, like, yeah, not quite as like a buffoon as Boylan is. Uh, but like I was listening to like his Chase Claypool like they like grilled the media grilled him. It was, it was brutal. Totally in right. over his head, like stuttering through it. Like just, and like the, the, the lie after like the, after the game, they had corrected. And then Monday, yesterday, like the whole press conference which was brutal, brutal stuff to listen to. Like, and the, his defense sucks. They've given up 25 points in like 14 straight games. I think that might be an NFL record. Like, it's just like, what do you do here, man? You're a defensive coach. Your defense sucks. None your team doesn't do anything well. They blow every game. Uh, and you set, and you just you're totally in over your head. You can't make decisions in games; it's brutal. So, like, it is close. I feel like it's getting closer. Where Iraflus is almost at Jimbo level, maybe not quite in terms of just like straight up goofiness, but like we're we're getting there. And I just like he should be. He should have been fired after this loss on Sunday. But maybe if you want a tank commander,
1: he's your guy to get Caleb Williams. (laughs) Everything about it's so bad, man. Like the process that led them to naming three finalists the day they hired Ryan Poles. It's like okay, new GM. Here's your three coaching finalists. It's like, what kind of fucking idea is this? Who thought of that? <laughs> like he should be the one hiring the coach. Hey, is this is this a Jerry Ryan? I mean, we know the Bears have been a joke. Their ownership's a joke. Ryan Storff, We know hiring a defensive like a shitty defensive coordinator when you have a super talented QB in the building already. Like, how do you not hire an offensive coach? Uh, the Bears are horrible, but yeah. there is some hope because of the surplus draft pick. Because you know we could have the top two picks in the draft, yeah. and the salary cap books mostly clean. Yeah, so at sign. least a little hope for the Bears. Is there more hope for the Bears than the Bulls? <laughs> like who's winning? It seems
2: so. It seems so insane about that because like obviously the the Bulls are a better team right now because the Bears are the worst team in the NFL. But like there i I'm a, i am worried about them ruining caleb williams they do get caleb williams I, I tweeted this the other day like if the bears somehow ruined caleb williams like i think i like if they drafted him and he sucked he said it was a boss like i think i might stop being a fan of the bears like if that guy like can't be good for <laughs> you like what even is the point of like being a fan of this team if like this guy who's like a, a, a huge quarterback prospect i don't want to say like can't miss but like incredible college qb he like whatever he's a Prototypical like quarterback who just can throw the ball. He can run. He's just a monster. And if this dude sucks for you too, like the fuck, like what are we even doing here? So it's like you he can argue quit, the Bears. Man. You can argue that the Bears could theoretically have a quick turnaround if they actually like hires have an actual coach and they draft Caleb Williams. You draft whatever Harrison or you draft like a lineman. You go sign some pass rushers who can actually get close to a quarterback and sack somebody. Uh, and you still have DJ Moore around, you still have some decent players. I'm like maybe they could like turn things around really quickly, but given it's the Bears, I just assume they're gonna screw it up. Uh so like that's an interesting question. Bears or bulls, fret or future? I don't know. They're probably both gonna be terrible. And that's what I just assume <laughs> at
1: this point. Chase, uh, we should probably quit. wrap it up here quit, after that. Dude. But you uh, can't quit. Yeah. What do you what are you gonna talk about if you quit the Bears? You can't quit.
2: I know. I wouldn't quit, but like I feel like I, I would be very at least I would just be like hovering over like you just have to laugh about it yeah you just have to laugh it it would be really depressing if like they drafted Kayle willems and he just sucked like that'd be that'd be just like what is what what is happening here (laughs) brutal brutal anyways that's gonna do it for us here on this episode of cash considerations a chicago bulls and maybe occasionally a chicago bears podcast as always shout out to the blue wire network as always always tons of great coverage of the NBA of sports, whatever, all across the Blue Wire Network with media days going on. Tons of great coverage all across Blue Wire of NBA coming back. Your Chicago Bulls basketball and all your other great NBA stuff all across the Blue Wire Network. For us here at Cash, please rate and review us. Give us those five star ratings. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, all those good places, wherever you your podcast, please uh, hit us up. Rate us, review us, find us on... You can also find us on Twitter, the place formerly known as Twitter. You can f- follow me at Bulls underscore J. Follow Ricky at ESPN underscore Ricky. Check, check out Ricky's great work at SBNation.com. Please also go check out ClutchPoints.com as well. So, we're back. The Bulls are back. It's media day. It's the beginning of training camp. The Bulls are out in Nash, Vegas. They got a week week there in Nashville before we finally get some Bulls basketball back, as mentioned, on Sunday against... Damian Lillard, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and the Milwaukee Bucks. We'll see who's actually playing in that game. Who knows how they're gonna treat preseason here, but it'll still be good to get some bold basketball on our TV again. Hopefully, hopefully it'll be good. So uh we'll probably talk again next week after that first preseason game sometime uh early next week around something like that. So uh for Jason and Ricky, this has been Cash Considerations A High Bulls podcast. Talk to you guys next week. This is last
0: year. Just balls.